Hey, everybody, this is D. Snyder. Yeah, you know me. And you're listening to Thunder Underground. Yeah. Welcome to episode 326 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent here. Jason couldn't make it this week. But this week we have the one and the only D. Snyder joining the podcast. Very cool to be able to say that. Glad he joined us here for almost 30 minutes. It was about a 25, 26, 27 minute interview. So got that coming up here in just a bit. This guy has a fantastic, that's, that's not an over-exaggeration, a phenomenal and amazing, just think of random adjectives I use, throw them all together and that can describe the new album from D. Snyder, Leave a Scar. Came out last Friday, one week ago. If you're listening to this the day it came out, or the day this episode came out, that album's been out only one week. Came out the last day of, or one of the last days of July, I think it was the 30th, so. If you have not heard this thing, do yourself a favor and get it. If for some weird reason you have not heard For the Love of Metal, which came out in 2018, do that as well. These two albums that D. Snyder has done recently with Jamie Josta at the helm of producing and even co-writing some stuff have been phenomenal. If you're not, if you're not familiar with the story to all that, basically, probably, I don't remember if it was 2017 or maybe even early 2018, D. Snyder was a guest on Josta's podcast, The Josta Show. Josta's episodes are always great, but especially when you get someone in there like D. Snyder and they're talking for a long time and Josta mentions you need to do an album and you need to let me bring in some players, co-write some songs, and let's make D. Snyder heavy as hell. And that's exactly what they did, just based off a comment that Josta made in a podcast. So here we are. Three years later, two albums in. Can't wait to hear more. I mean, I hope there's more. If there's not, at least we've got what we've got. I mean, D. Snyder has an amazing legacy going back. Of course, everybody knows Twisted Sister, some great stuff from Widowmaker, and some other solo stuff prior to these two albums. So we'll talk a little bit more about that here in just a minute. But before I do, I have to let you know who we're sponsored by. And that would be DEB Concerts. DEB Concerts, for the past several years, Brought in a ton of great acts to the Ideal Barroom. The Ideal Barroom, of course, as we talked about in the last couple episodes, unfortunately is closing its doors. Its final date, I believe, to be open is next weekend. But their final rock show is this Saturday night. And it's actually Rocket Science, who has been on this podcast before. They have their own podcast as well, a video podcast called Tulsa Music Stream. Great stuff. They always interview... Some great people. They're about, I think, 30-some episodes in now. They just had Billy Sheehan on this past week. In my opinion, the greatest rock and roll bass player of all time. So, check them out. They're going to be playing the Ideal Barn Saturday night. But the point is to say all that, that Ideal Barn brought tons of bands there, like Saxon and Junkyard, L.A. Guns, Great White, Warrant, Winger, Last in Line. Just a great long list of bands, and they've brought bands to the BOK Center. They brought in Snoop Dogg. 
They had the Poison Show scheduled this past year that might get rescheduled this next year. You never know. You got to keep updated right here from us and also online. Get on dbconcerts.com to keep up to date with all their upcoming shows. Also follow them on Facebook. Rocklahoma is coming in less than a month now, Labor Day weekend. And I mention that right here because DEB Concerts books the Roadhouse stage at Rocklahoma. And this year the Roadhouse stage will feature Stephen Piercy of Rat and the Bullet Boys on the pre-party night, Thursday night at Rocklahoma. And then Friday, Saturday, and Sunday that stage is going to feature a lot of great bands. But that stage will be headlined each night by John Five. Puddle of Mud, and George Lynch, and The Electric Freedom. If you're not familiar with that name, The Electric Freedom, that is what George Lynch has renamed Lynch Mob. So, get out there. If you're out there at Rocklahoma, be sure and check out the Roadhouse Stage and DB Concerts. And stay tuned right here for more great announcements coming. Just because the Ideal Barm's closing, that doesn't mean DB Concerts is not going to keep putting out great shows. We've also got Med Farm, a dispensary located in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, right off the highway at 24683 East Highway 51. They've got a drive through so you can swing in, get your product, and head right back out. If you call them ahead, text them ahead, or email them ahead, you can place your order that way. Or you can go right in the doors. You can check out the selection ahead of time at leafly.com. They've got a big selection. They're always running great specials, so follow them on Facebook, Med Farm, P-H-A-R-M on Instagram at MedFarmOK, and their website is MedFarmOK.com. Also, if you mention Thunder Underground, they'll give you 10% off your first order. Very cool. But what's even cooler than that, 30% of their proceeds go to build no-kill animal shelters. That's a huge thing. As you know, a ton of cities don't have any no-kill animal shelters, and some have very few. Like around here, there's not many. So they're helping, trying to rectify that. So. That's why you need to get to Med Farm. I know there's a million choices when it comes to dispensaries in this town now, but Med Farm should be your choice. You can get there from anywhere in Tulsa pretty much in 15, 20 minutes, and a third of what you pay goes to help the animals. So get over there and tell them you heard about them here. We've also got Hell Hot Hot Sauce, a hot sauce company based out of the San Francisco Bay Area. They're a small mom-and-pop style operation. They make small batch artisan hot sauces, but just because it's a small operation. I should rephrase that. That is, that's, I don't know, does that sound negative? I tried to say they're a mom and pop, but I said small. You know, you get the idea. They make big hot sauce, and they're doing big things. That's what matters. They do collaborations with some metal artists, which is how they came on our radar. We had on Florida Frank from Hatebreed. Talked about his sauce, and then that's when the Hell Hot Hot Sauce became a sponsor. He's got a hot sauce that he does with them called Florida Frank's Florida Heat. That stuff is super hot, but it's good. Techno Destructo of Gore fame also has a sauce called Garlic Death Grip. That stuff is fantastic. There's also a sauce by Ghoul called Brain Jerk. We've had on Ghoul on here before. Finally, they've also mentioned that they've got sauces coming from Zetro and Death Angel. So that's going to be really cool to see those once they come out. Hit them up at hellhothotsauce.com. If you're on the West Coast, you can find them in stores. If you're anywhere else in the world, hit them up on there and order you some. The bottles look cool, and the sauce is not cool. It's hot as hell. So 
Hit him up on Instagram and Facebook at Hell Hot Hot Sauce and tell him you heard about him here. Finally, Sunset Tattoo. Tulsa is a tattoo shop right here in Tulsa, of course, in the Midtown area, right there off 15th Street. Give him a call. Talk to Jake. He'll get you set up on a time where you can come in and talk about what work you want to have done. You can see pictures of all his work on Instagram, Sunset Tattoo Tulsa. And on Facebook, the same thing, Sunset Tattoo Tulsa. There's tons of pictures of the work on there. It's all great. We know a lot of bands in this area have had tattoos by Jake. He's done a lot of bands that aren't from this area. Major touring musicians have stopped through with Jake and had him tattoo him. And hell, he's tattooed me as well, so I'm not just speaking at my ass here. It's like when the Hair Club for Men guy says he's also a member. I'm also a former tattooee, I guess would be the word, I don't know, of Jake. His tattoos over there are done good and proper. They're state licensed, and of course, mother approved. So get her a Sunset Tattoo Tulsa, and tell him you heard about him right here. All right. So not much to talk about this week. This kind of D. Snyder interview kind of came together fairly quickly. Usually don't put things out on Friday, but I figured I can definitely make an exception when we've got D. Snyder on board. So that's why we're here today. If you want to look forward to the next episode, Jason and I will be talking to Diamond Rowe, the guitarist for Tetrarch. She is a fantastic guitarist, and Tetrarch is making a name for themselves. If you listen to Sirius at all, Liquid Metal, I guarantee you've heard them. If you pay attention to metal, I'm sure you've seen that name because they're getting a lot of a lot of love from critics over this past year. And I think you're going to be hearing a lot more about them in the future, but we're going to be talking to Diamond about all that stuff coming up next week on the next episode. And then the week after that, we've got a very special episode, which we will announce on that episode of Diamond. And of course, we've got other stuff planned with some people, but I don't like to talk about it until it happens. So We're going to talk about D. Snyder right now. Like I said, Leave a Scar has been out one week now. It's phenomenal. Go buy it if you have not. Buy the vinyl. Buy the CD. Buy the digital files. Support these guys. You know, I say that for every single band. But hey, if you don't buy physical product, at least stream it somewhere where a a very small fraction of money is going back to the artist. For the Love of Metal came out three years ago. It was number two on our top albums of 2018. The only album that we had beating it out was Judas Priest Firepower. So that should tell you something. This year, I mean, there's some competition out there. That Dirty Honey album's phenomenal. Iron Maiden's going to have an album out here pretty soon. There's a lot of other great stuff, but I can promise you this album's probably going to be in the top five at the very least. If all you know D. Snyder is for Twisted Sister and you like your stuff heavy, I promise you're in for a treat. If you like that Widowmaker stuff from the 90s, I promise you, you're in for a treat. If this, I, I can't keep going on as soon as this thing's over. Fire up, leave a scar. It's got George Fisher, better known as Corpse Grinder from Cannibal Corpse, on the song Time to Choose, which is a great track. And I wanted to mention that to D, but kind of got caught up in the conversation and forgot to bring it up. 
So, hey, maybe next time D's on the podcast, we'll talk about Corpse Grinder, but that tells you right there what we're dealing with. And Joss does a lot of backing vocals as well. Something else I wanted to point out that is completely on the opposite end of this heavy stuff is four or five years ago, D released a remake of We're Not Gonna Take It, his own Twisted Sister classic. But he released a stripped-down piano version. It was just him and a piano. And I'm not just saying this, blowing smoke up people's ass because he's the guest. That literally was one of my favorite songs of that year, and I still listen to it a lot. It's just it's just a testament to that song and to Dee Snider when you can take a song that's a rock song like that that everybody knows in one facet and completely strip it down and completely make it into something totally else, and it's still fantastic. This, I believe he did it as, I think it was Breast Cancer Awareness. It was a phenomenal track, so just you can find that on any of the streaming platforms on YouTube, so check that if you've not heard it. But hey, we got a lot to talk about here in this interview with D. Snyder. Talk about the the new album, talk about For Love of Metal, talk about Twisted Sister. We even talk about Rocklahoma that I mentioned earlier. Coming up in less than a month, we talk about when Twisted Sister was there. They've actually played three times, so and a ton more stuff. So let's just jump into it. Here's the one and only D. Snyder. Morning in progress, Thunder Underground. How you doing? I am doing very well. How about yourselves? Pretty good. It's just me, Jason, who co-hosts this with me. Couldn't make it today, so. Uh, who, needs, who needs Jason anyway? <laughs> right. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to do this with me. Pleasure. Pleasure. Well, just kind of jumping into it a couple weeks ago, I was looking at Twitter and I noticed that you really love disco. <laughs> <laughs> It was a early pet peeve of Twisted Sister. We reformed and I joined in 76 and disco was, was massive. And um, it was hard for a rock band to find work. And if you found work, they expected you to be like a jukebox, just play hits and shut the fuck up. And it became Twisted's mission to not shut the fuck up and not just be in the background and be so loud and be so obnoxious looking sounding in every regard that you had no choice so we became the we became the death to disco band i think you guys accomplished that yeah we were all the, one of us so famously we uh when the 2001 the legendary 2001 disco which was featured in saturday night fever switched to rock they brought twisted sister in to uh convert the place we smashed the uh, mirrored ball and uh we did a whole whole ritual and uh and and, and expunged disco from uh, brooklyn <laughs> that's great well speaking of something else that's much better than disco leave a scar has been out a week now for anyone that may not have heard it yet what do you think what would you say the differences are any progression from for the love of metal 
Well, it certainly um, continues where For the Love of Metal left off. Uh, we, you know, as a matter of fact, we were toying with calling it For the Love of Metal 2, but then Napalm Records begged us not to. They said, we've got For the Love of Metal, For the Love of Metal Live. It's too confusing to have three albums with For the Love of Metal in the title. <laughs> but, you know, that all said, there's definitely also some growth uh, I, you know, now that I found my place in the community, uh, I, this record, I joined in the, in the, in the writing process, creating the songs. Uh, so my, my finger, my thumbprints, fingerprints a little more on this one. And, um, you know, and it, as a record, it, it is definitely, uh, you know, a bridge record. It, it, it's, it's between somewhere between where I come from and where I, where I'm, you know, where I today and today, I should say, you know, so there's plenty of that classic influence in there, but it has a very contemporary sound. Right. And I, I think I'd read recently in another interview you did where you talked about the pandemic had a big effect on your writing for this one. Major, not just the pandemic, the state of the world. Okay. Uh, it was it's a very inspired record and inspiration is the best thing to have for creativity you know, sometimes bands are kind of forced back into the studio to record when they're not really ready to, and and the results are are obvious. Um, but you know, for me, I literally had told my family, my band, and my management that I was I thought I was done recording and uh, and performing live in 2019. But when the world just, for lack of a better word, shit the bed, um, I just found myself with so much angst and so much to say that I had to call up uh, Jamie Josta, call everybody up and say, hey, man, I want to do another record. We got to go back in. Well, working with Josta this time, since you had already kind of had that working relationship in the studio and everything, like, how do you think that helped you this time around? You know, well, first of all, this is the first time I've ever used the same producer two records in a row. Oh, wow. Uh, and I didn't even have a, a second thought about it. Um, you know, I was like, you know, I'm going back in, it's going to be Jasta and, and his team. So that was great. But the difference between then and now is the last one, you know, was done for Love Metal was literally a challenge by Jamie Jasta for me to do a contemporary metal record. And I told him how much I'm a fan of contemporary metal. I just didn't see where I fit. And Jamie said, I know where you fit. Trust me. So I really did trust him. I did a trust fall on that first record and let him, you know, guide me and show me where, you know, how D. Snyder connects the dots, so to speak, from where he was and where he is today. So with this one, so but with any trust relationship, there's that development of trust. You know what I mean? And bringing in those first songs, wondering what they're going to sound like. I mean, after I accepted the challenge, I was like, is he going to make me? hate breed too. I mean, I've never heard this guy sing a melody. So, um, so, you know, it, it just, it, like I said, now we knew each other and not only did we knew and understand each other um, and, and trust each other, but now I had a band and I very much, I said, I'm you know using my band. The last time it was, you know, it was different session musicians, metal guys, no doubt about it. As a matter of fact, Nikki and Charlie Belmore, who were the primary musicians on my first my album, The Love of Metal, they were in my touring band. So, uh, so you know, the same, those two guys were the same. But then I brought in my bass player, Russ Pizzuto, and my guitar player, 
uh, Nick Taz Petrino. So uh, it was it was so it was different in that regard that we knew each other, we had a relationship, and we knew how we worked together, and we moved from there. I assume the transition was pretty easy for you because I mean, Twisted Sister was heavy in its own right, but even when you did Widowmaker, slightly heavier. Doing this now, even though it's brought you into like the modern mindset for people who might be younger, like was it? Did it feel like an easy transition for you when you first started working with Josta on the last album? You know, you're right, uh, and uh, thanks for appreciating that. You know, Twisted was a metal band in its inception, became known for, you know, other things than being metal. When we first, uh, you know, got signed, we were touring. It, it was no hair metal. We toured with Motorhead, Saxon. Iron Maiden, Metallica. It was just a metal. We were just a weird metal band, you know, and people accepted that. So we were a metal band. And I did get heavier with uh, Widowmaker. The second Widowmaker record is Stand By For Pain was really heavy. Um, but that was 25 years ago. So coming and, you know, trying to see where I, and I walked away from Widowmaker feeling like maybe I had overstayed my welcome. Um so finding out where I fit in today's marketplace, and I, and I hate that word because it sounds like, uh, you know, all about money. It wasn't about money. We, matter of fact, when we accepted that challenge, we went to the studio. We had no recording budget. We had no deal. It was just friends getting together, and, 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 and the outpouring was crazy. Members of Lamb of God and Kill Switch and, and a Toxic Holocaust and Disturbed and and, you know, all these different bands, all the remains, all came out of the woodwork to help Dee Snyder create his sound, his music for the, this generation. So it was really a beautiful thing because there was no, it was no financial reward in it at all at that time. You know, it was all for the love of metal. And that's why we called it that. So, um, but, but yeah, really, like I said, I didn't, uh, I, I didn't know after 25 years, how do I reinsert myself? How do I fit? I mean, you kind of mentioned it when you said in 2019, you kind of thought you were done. And now putting this new album out, do you feel kind of revitalized? Are you one of those guys that are looking to have an ending point? Or do you think you're going to just keep going until you can't go anymore? Well, everything past, I'd say, 35 has been a bit of a surprise for me. Um, I didn't see this chapter in my life, you know. Um, I, I didn't. I didn't expect it, and so it's been a, a, a pleasant surprise because I love metal. I'm, I'm the day one metal hard rock. They called it back then, uh, you know. Being the kid who bought the first Sabbath, first Zeppelin, first Blue Cheer, first Grand Funk, first Mountain, first Cream when they came out, you know, I was. It was called hard rock, and it blew, we we you know, and and then we championed it, and it became heavy metal over the years, but I've always been a fan and I remain a fan of metal. So, um, but I totally did not expect at uh, 66, six, the most metal of ages to be putting out the most metal record of my career. So um, where this takes me, I don't know. I'm kind of, you know, I'm at that point in my life where I'm taking it one day at a time. And I don't mean that in some sort of weird, like it's funny when I brought in uh, uh, before I go the song, Jamie said, are you dying? I said, no, I'm not, not dying now. Uh, not, not, no plans. Um, but I, you know, I, I've, I've, 
I'm directing my first horror movie that's coming down the pike. I, I created a, a horror television series that's in development right now. I created a children's animated television series in development with Peacock. I've written my first novel. So I, you know, I'm doing all these different creative things. So I just basically take each one as it comes and, and, and go there and, and see what's next for me. Like I said, I thought I was retiring in 2019, but then I had divine inspiration. And here I am uh, with a new powerful record. And I definitely will go out and support this record in 2022. Is your live band all the guys you mentioned earlier, like the Belmores and everybody? Yeah, you know, started as a side, as, as a backing band, side band. And we were out there for two years. And somewhere around the, after the first year, my wife, Suzette, who's been through it all with me, 45 years and counting, um, she's seen it all. And one day she came back after a show and she said, let me tell you something, your band kicks ass. And she said, your band. She didn't say those guys. She said, your band. And in her mind, they had become a band. And I looked at them. I said, they do kick ass. And it is a band. That's my band. So, you know, and, and, and just, just that, 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 that shift of perception, you know, uh, and when it came time to do this record, I said, I want my band on this record. I don't want, we did last time, you know, the Belmores played, but we brought in other people. I want my band, this band as a band on the record. Speaking of some former players that have played with you, uh, a friend of our podcast here who's been on several times is Adam Newell, who I know filled in for you on a few shows in recent years. Really? Yeah. Who Adam, what? How did he fill in for me? He played guitar for you in Europe, I think. Oh, Adam. Okay. Okay. I thought you meant me. I was oh, like, oh, me? I mean, I can't even get anybody to fill in for me. I was oh, when, when Twisted Sister, um, when Twisted Sister uh, was, was together, we realized that we play like maybe 25 shows a year and they were big money shows. And when the money's that big, you can't afford to miss one of those shows. It wasn't like we were doing a hundred dates. So one show was just, you know, so we, we uh, said, we, you know, we all need to let's pick replacements to fill in for us in the event that we can't make it. And interesting point. Um, uh, interesting point is Russ Pizzuto uh, was Mark the animal Mendoza's fill in guy. And filled in for him at a show in um, in Belgium when men, Mark couldn't make it. Um, uh, Mike Portnoy was AJ Piero's pick to fill in. Now, mind you, we didn't know that AJ was going to die. The idea was like maybe you get sick or maybe your family you, you had a family problem, you couldn't make a show. So when AJ died, it was natural that we use Mike because he chose Mike. I couldn't find anybody willing to take the job to fill in for me. I told, called, I, had only, I said, Sebastian Bach, he's could do it. I called Sebastian. He said, no fucking way. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? No way. He goes, dude, I'm not standing in for D fucking Snyder. That's a thankless job. Nobody can fill your shoes. And I said, that's really a high compliment. But at the same time, I need a replacement. So anyway, you said Adam Newell. I said, replace me. So yes, of course I, I know Adam. Yes. <laughs> well, speaking of, Twisted Sister, several years ago, I had the opportunity to meet you and I had you signed a photo that I took when you guys played Rocklahoma in 2009, the Christmas in July show. Oh, wow. And you had mentioned that you thought that was the hottest show you ever played. Was that, is that correct in your mind still? Well, yes, out, outside it was, but I, there's a couple others. Uh, one uh, in Arizona, 
where there was an outdoor show and the sun went down directly pointing at the stage. And I got out on stage. I couldn't touch my microphone because it was burning hot. Burned my hand. It was so hot. The metal had heated up so much. And another one that scarred me for life was the Marquee Club in London. They don't have much air conditioning in England because they don't really get heat waves. And it was a heat wave in August. And we were playing and the club was packed wall to wall. And it was so brutally hot. They were carrying bodies out. Um, turned out the cl club owner had turned the heat on so people would drink more. So, uh, so Rock Home was definitely top three. Gotcha. Shifting gears slightly, you know, we recently lost Jeff Labar and Gary Corbett from Cinderella. Did Twisted Sister ever play any shows with Cinderella? Excuse me. Yeah. Um, not a lot. Post uh, the second time around, I think we did a festival or two with them. Um, and I, you know, I know, I know Tom, I, I met Jeff. I really met Jeff once, seemed like a very lovely guy. And I didn't know Gary. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's uh, hey man, it's um, getting tough. We're losing a lot. You know, we're losing a lot. I mean, that was part of Jamie Joss's pitch to me was that, you know, he says, D, I've heard you singing and you're stronger than ever. And we need your voice. We're losing great voices. Lemmy, we lost Dio. We lose, you know, we're losing these voices and we need you, man. And that was part of his, his thing like, to get me back into the, into the game, you know? So uh, yeah, it's, it's sad. Yeah. Well, when you, speaking of getting back into the game, when you got on stage last week for your CD release show, was it, was that the first time you'd been back on stage since pre pandemic? Yeah, it was, <laughs> uh, it was almost two years. Oh, uh, getting back on stage. So it was, uh, it was a uh, pretty exciting, interesting, um, weird, a lot of things, you know, especially I thought I was retiring. Uh, so, uh, it was, didn't expect to do that again. So, uh, it was, but it was amazing. Was it a different feeling this time around? Cause that's probably the longest gap you had went in quite a while. Actually, I mean, you would no no way you would know this, but in it accidentally, between the end of Twisted Sister and the first Widowmaker gig, five years. Oh, wow. Uh, I, I, I formed, you know, it took a while to form Desperado. It took a while to get the record done. And then the record got shelved. And then it took a while to get Widowmaker going. And um, it was five years. And I remember the first gig, first Widowmaker gig, we pulled up. It, we, we were rehearsing. And recording uh, upstate New York. And so there was like a, a local club. We thought that's a good place to, you know, test the waters after five years and pulled up. And the sign said tonight, window maker. <laughs> so uh, window maker. I should have taken that as a sign. <laughs> as, a, as an artist who's kind of seen it all, you know, since you've been doing this for 40 plus years, do you think the era we're in right now where everything got shut down in the live music scene is a tough, is tougher for bands to navigate through than say the beginning of the Napster era and the digital music era. Well, this is just another animal because this next leveled it, you know, with Napster and digital music, it destroyed the, um, the, the income stream from record sales for young artists. Right. Um, with COVID, it destroyed the only other income stream, live shows. So, I mean, 
you know, and you'll never kill rock and roll and you'll never kill creativity, but these people shouldn't have to work a day job and they shouldn't have to be, you know, in their garages and basements creating. And yet I think, I think the long-term effects of this are yet to be seen. And uh, because, uh, you know, I think we don't realize what this has done to, uh, let me shut this up. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's all right. All right. Um, we haven't yet to see the long-term effects here because creativity starts with the indie bands, indie filmmakers, indie artists, indie writers. They're the ones with the new ideas. They're the ones taking chances. I just watched a, um, I just watched a documentary on the New York rock scene in the seventies, the birth starting with velvet underground, New York dolls and evolving into CBGBs. And all these amazing bands that came out of the CBGBs, uh, CBGBs would have closed its doors in COVID. There would be no Ramones and there'd be no Blondie. There'd be no talking heads and on and on and on. So this is what we're dealing with now. Those little places where those new ideas are just coming out of all those fresh ideas are shutting down. And now we're left all left with is the corporate world. The ones who could afford to stay clear channel Viacom, and if you expect any kind of creativity coming from them, they don't know about creativity. They know marketing. They know mass production. We are going to see, a, we're going to, and creativity will not die, but we're going to have to work to help it find a place to, to show itself, studios and, 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 you know, and, and art galleries and, and uh, you know, little clubs and places like that where, these, where this art is, is born. Yeah, I'm hoping the the downtime of the pandemic's gonna have the result of a you know explosion of creativity in the next couple of years. Well, it inspired me. You know, this, uh, the Leva Scar is pure inspiration from the state of the world uh, in 2020. So I, you're not gonna stop inspiration, but not every the young bands, the beginning bands. They you know the starting up. They, you know, I had a, like when I said I wanted to do another record. Napalm was awesome. They, they were hoping I'd do another record. I had, here's your budget, go. You know what I mean? So, but the little, the new bands, that's where real, real creativity comes from. Let me tell you, just people have got nothing to lose and they just go with the gut and the rawest ideas come from these places. They don't have record deals. You know, they're trying to find them. Yeah. For the Love of Metal was number two on our top albums of 2018 and i imagine leave a scar is going to be right there at the top as well so i appreciate you for taking the time out with me today well you know what i mean uh we got a couple more minutes here and i appreciate okay. you guys uh, i appreciate thank you for uh i i, I feel you know this is the creative pro creative process you go from being inspired and saying this is great and then you're somewhere along the way like down the road while you're working on it doubt creeps in and the, the exclamation turns to a question mark. Is this great? You know, like you're so close to it. You're wondering. And it's so great. Like you said, a week out to see these reviews, to see the response, to see the reaction. And for someone like me, you know, at this point in my life, 66, six, the most metal of ages, by the way, <laughs> uh, that, you know, uh, to be uh, welcomed, uh, cheered, uh, uh, people, you know, people, the things they're saying about the songs, the music, that it, like it matters, inspiring, lifting people up. Those are the phrases I'm using, people using adjectives that I hoped because 
that's one of the big realizations for me was that I'm one of those guys. I'm one of those voices. I'm one of those people who's been given a, a, a voice that people listen to. Some people, not everybody. And people get inspired by and people get, you know, and, and people look to to speak out for them because not as someone said to me on social media when I was just railing and saying, people push back, fight back, speak the fuck up, you know, and they were like, you know what, D, we don't all have your platform or your voice. And I was like, you know what, you're right. That's my job. And then you can rally behind me. So um, it really it really was inspiration. And it's great to see people hearing getting hearing what i'm saying and and finding inspiration from it lifting people up is what i'm all about yeah, absolutely yeah that's one thing i've definitely always appreciated about you is the fact that you never have to wonder what d snyder is thinking <laughs> <laughs> yeah a, a blessing and a curse but i'll be damned i'm going to shut my mouth but look you know i like to think that i i'm not just one of the you know i hate people who are naysayers and they just tear shit down without offering any alternative. You know what I mean? Right. You say, say something sucks and say, and this is my suggestion, what we do, you know? But just say it sucks. I mean, I remember, this is just a true story. Uh, when I joined Twisted Sisters, they formed in 73. I joined in 76. They had some originals and they were awful. And I was constantly saying, these things suck, suck. they're awful. And <laughs> one day, JJ said, do you have any, have you written any, you know, he said, can you write songs? I said, yes. He says, have you written any? I said, uh, no. He says, then shut the fuck up until you have something to offer. And I, and you know, I got really pissed off and I stormed off. We were living together. I stormed to my room and I started writing like a fiend, but it was right. It was right. Just sitting there and saying something sucks and not offering a choice. Well, I came back and, and I wound up writing all the songs for Twisted Sister. So, you know, but in my messages, I'm always, you know, look, there's a song on this record called Down But Never Out. And it's about, COVID kicking the shit out of us. And I could have easily just called it down, you know, because it's true. Stop, yeah. the, stop the shit out. We got curb stopped by COVID, okay? But I am believe that, I'm, but it's called, but never out. And in the song, I'm saying, well, we can beat this. We can come back. We're not going to take it was like that. You know, we're, we're going to take it. We got this. We can do it. We don't need people telling us how to do it. We got it. You know, so I always try to offer a glimmer of hope. Look at the album cover, you know, have you seen the album cover? Yes. So Marcelo was inspired and I love this cover. I mean, it's a true metal cover. One of those covers you look at, you, you look at studying, you know, and he, we told him like the title, a couple songs. And the next day he brings back this artwork. That's inspiration. And I love that. Even though I, I, I said, well, I wasn't even thinking that, but I love that you got so fired up by the music and the, and the imagery and, and the message. And then I said, I, I see you have a door in that heart. I need light to be coming out of that door. I said, because I believe there's hope. Life beats the shit out of you, but there is hope. I'm living proof. And he totally got that. And so you see there's light coming out of that door in that scarred, chained heart. And some doves. He threw those in there. I didn't say anything about doves. But, uh, but hey, you know, inspiration. But, uh, but that's the point. I always want people to know I'm not just tearing down. I'm not just complaining. I hated about the 2000s that all the bands just seemed to be whining. You know, the music was great, but they were just complaining. You know, like, like you know, the, the Nine Inch Nails. I love Nine Inch Nails. Complaining. 
Well, what is your alternative here? What you know? You know? Yeah, yeah. It sucks, but we can do better. We can do this. Come on. So uh, that's very important to me. Yeah, that's something Josta always had in common with you as well. His lyrics have always been uplifting and positive. Like that. I feel, yes, we 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 are kindred spirits. That's one of the things when he said to me, "I challenge you." I knew that we we were on the same page there. Although I did bust his balls the other day. I heard a song called destroy everything. Yeah. And I texted, him, I said, destroy everything. And I got back like a four page text. <laughs> you know, well, I didn't, I didn't mean everything. I just, I, you know, it was, it was a metaphor D. I, I was just suggesting that we need to tear down. I said, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. I get it. I was just busting your balls, destroy everything. You know? So uh, yeah, I, I even played that song on the, uh, on liquid metal the other day. So uh, yeah. Uh, great talking to you, man. And thank you for the support and the, uh, and the positive words. It means the world to me. Truly. There you go. D Snyder. Of D. Snyder. I don't even have to say of Twisted Sister, of Twisted Sister fame, like you do with some people you want to mention. So if there's someone listening that's just a moderate music listener that, you know, but I don't think that there's anybody out there that if you mention the word D. Snyder, they don't know who that is. Even if they're not like, even if they're just a mainstream fan of rock music and don't delve deep into this like a lot of us do. But I imagine anyone listening to a podcast about music definitely knows who this man is. He is without a doubt one of the greatest front men. If you never got to see Twisted Sister live, I feel bad for you. I got to see him many times and that man is up there with, I'm talking all-time greats when it comes to rock music front men. You can put him up, I'm not just, I'm not trying to over-exaggerate things. You can put him up there with the likes of Freddie Mercury, with the likes of Paul Stanley or David Lee Roth or these guys that are the ultimate showman frontman. But on the flip side of at least two of those guys I just mentioned, D. Snyder not only brought the amazing frontman aspect, but he brings the raw power and the vocal aspect in a pure intensity live still to this day. Like he said, he's the most metal of ages right now. Six, six, almost six, 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 right? And you see him live. He did a live stream from his album release show a little over a week ago. The man still belts it out with the best of them. When you get to that age, you know, the air is pretty pretty thin up there when you're talking about how many guys are left that can still belt it out as good as they used to. You're talking Glenn Hughes and Rob Halford, Sammy Hagar, Doug Pinnock from King's X. You know, there's a chunk of guys, but there's a huge, a bigger chunk of guys that once they get into those upper ages, you start to, you start to hear it and you don't hear that with D. So if you get the chance to see this man live in 2022 or beyond, do not miss it. All right. I don't know if I said it. I got cut up there, but I did not say a huge thank you to John Freeman of Freeman Promotions for his continued help and support on this podcast. And if this is your first time listening because you're a D. Snyder fan, we greatly appreciate it. We've got 325 previous episodes you can check out. If you like that, if you like D because of Twisted Sister and that era of rock, and we've got you covered with some stuff here on this podcast. We've had on, like I mentioned just a minute ago, Glenn Hughes. We've had on Vivian Campbell of Def Leppard and Dio. 
I've had on Frank Hannon multiple times from Tesla, Brian Wheat of Tesla, Mark Kendall of Great White has been on here more than once. We've had on members of Guns N' Roses, LA Guns, Trickster, Firehouse, Warrant, Junkyard, Kicks, K-I-X, also Kiss. Gene Simmons has been on this podcast. We've also had on Bruce Kulik, formerly of Kiss. Lillian Axe, Taiketo. Man, the list is long when it comes to the 80s genre. We've also had on the heavy stuff. We mentioned Jamie Josta. He hasn't been on here, but three members of Hatebreed have. Kirk Winstein, who's been in bands with Jamie Josta, who's from Crowbar and Down, has been on here. Found guys from Megadeth, Testament, Death Angel. We even go complete opposite of all that. We've had Vanilla Ice on this podcast. We've had Shooter Jennings. We've had Ian Moore. All kinds of stuff. Dig through there. Check it out. LethalUnderground.com. You can see everything there. You can listen there. You can find all our socials there. Click on all the socials. Like, follow. Anytime you see a post come up, if you just like it, that's a huge help. That helps spread it around. That helps other people see it. So that's an easy way to help us. That's also an easy way to help any band or any of your friends that are artists in any capacity. If they have a social media account and they post something, even if you're not one of those people that likes to share stuff, just like it or leave a quick comment. That little thing is a huge help. That's how those algorithms work. When people start commenting or liking, it spreads it around for more people to see. So, Once again, a huge thank you to everybody listening. A huge thank you to D. Snyder, Freeman Promotions. Don't miss us next week with Diamond Row of Tetrarch. And once again, a huge thank you to Med Farm, Hella Hot Hot Sauce, DEB Concerts, and Sunset Tattoo. And until next time. Thunder Underground, y'all.